Ladies and gentlemen, all around football with Azul, across the country, college football, pro football. I'm looking forward to discussing these games over the weekend, starting with the college football, and it was a great batch of football games for college football, especially in that 7 o'clock, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time hour. But uh, listen, that Ohio State-Notre Dame game, that's the first game I'm going to go to first, and that was almost borderline instant classic. Very good competitive defensive game. Uh, if you haven't watched it, go back and check it out on the highlights or an extended version of the game. But man, that game that game literally came to the last second of the game, where Ohio State squeaked it out um, with a very good drive at the very end of the game. But I'll start what happened that led up to that point. Uh, man, I mean, it was pretty much a defensive battle most of the game. I say 90, 95% of the game, second quarter, midway through the uh, second quarter where Ohio State, where the first big part of the game with the first fourth and goal, it was multiple fourth and goals, but the first fourth and goal in that game where Kyle McCord wanted to go to the flat and the defense, defensive, um, uh, I think it was the safety, DJ Brown for the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Played it well. He deflected the pass from Kyle McCord, and it caused a turnover or downs. Where the that was a point in the game where Ohio State they should have kicked the three, or they decided not to go for three. Of course, with this new football analytics, they've decided to really maximize their opportunities to go for more points, and then back and it backfired. Um, Notre Dame ended up uh, holding those guys to a, a field goal instead of uh, the six. So at that point, it was three nothing. Uh, going into the second half. Now, let me tell you, uh, the funny thing about this was um, I went at halftime. I went to go get some dessert of my yogurt, you know, keep it healthy as much as I possibly can. I come back uh, from the fridge. And as I see it on the TV happening in front of my face, I see that uh, Henderson, the running back for Ohio State, is running up the left sideline. He's running for a touchdown to make it 9 nothing Ohio State. But on that same play, Marvin Harrison Jr. on a block, he was blocking Cam Martin, the uh, defensive uh, the defensive back for the uh, Notre Dame fighter Irish, and he gets his ankle rolled up. But he, he ends up uh, returning for the game. He ends up uh, not getting um, he wasn't hurt that bad. He pretty much uh, came back into the game. So after Ohio State goes up nine nothing, Tim, you know, uh, you know, with the you know with the point after. Notre Dame has some good drives in that second half. The first good drive of that half in the third quarter was a 13-play, eight-minute drive down the field. There was some good rushing uh, by Jeremiah Love, Jabrain Payne, Jadrain Price. It was a three-headed uh, attack, running attack uh, with Sam Hartman's Notre Dame Fighting Irish offense. Uh, Sam Hartman completed a, uh, a pass to Tobias May Merriweather. Uh, he, he got stopped at the one yard line. Should have got in there, but he ended up getting tackled at the one. But they ended up punching in behind your brain. Uh, Payne's uh, touchdown to make it ten to seven. Ohio State in that third quarter. Uh, Notre Dame did it again later in the game with an eleven play, ninety six yard touch uh, touchdown drive to take over a lead of fourteen to ten. With eight uh with uh, eight minutes left, eight minutes and twenty two seconds left in the fourth quarter, with Sam Hartman threw the pass to Rico Flores for a two yard touchdown. But um, uh, this was a back and forth uh, nail biter in that fourth quarter. It really was, um, because after that Notre Dame touchdown, Ohio State, uh, they faced their second 
fourth down of the night with four minutes left in the game, like four minutes and 17 seconds left in the game. They tried a wide receiver jet sweep with a Biku. Uh, the wide receiver for Ohio State is pretty good damn receiver. He's, going, he's definitely going to the pros. Uh, Notre Dame ended up stopping him with a, causing a turnover of downs. Um, so, uh, you know, but Ohio State ended up getting the ball back. Um Fourth down and got they got another fourth down conversion from Ohio State with uh, McCord at quarterback. He ended up completing a pass to Julian Fleming because I think on that sequence Notre Dame sent the blitz and then sent the hot a hot route to free up Fleming and then caught up a lot of guard, a lot of yards on the yards after the catch. And McCord also hit um, a Buka on his last drive, which was key. He hit him with. Um, at the one yard line with seven seconds left, and this was really got was nip and tuck. A lot of timeouts called at this point in the game, um, uh, but after that, you know, they got down to the one, and they, you know, they spiked the ball. It was second and goal. Um, Notre Dame called the timeout. Uh, the core rolls right, and he almost had Marvin Harrison Jr. who came back into the game. Uh, he missed him on the pass. Uh, third and goal. Um, Henderson. Broke the plane, which looked like a good touchdown. Literally, I thought at the game as had it, you know, had it expired. Uh, with a game winning score, um, the rest put it like a second back on the clock. But um, this was a good comeback win for Ohio State, Ryan Day's team for the Buckeyes. Um, this was the game of the day, arguably, arguably the game of the year that I could think of. Notre Dame had this game, and and their physicality showed a lot in that second half. It's the same way I saw Notre Dame put it on Navy when they went to Dublin and how they went to uh, Riley to play uh, the North Carolina State Wolfpack. Their their physicality was on display. And and, in Ohio State, give them credit. They answered the bell of that last drive, especially uh, the fourth down completion to Fleming. That was huge in the game, very, very huge. So once again, Ohio State gets away or they escape with a crucial big time road win on the road. Notre Dame, man, what a disheartening loss, man. Big time loss. Uh, they had that game, man. and But it could have went either way. Uh, Notre Dame's definitely not going to be out of the national championship mix. It definitely puts the prime in Ohio State's hands, man. So very, very good game. If you saw it, go back and watch the highlights whenever you get the chance. Uh, the other game I saw in the, uh, what, that 7 p.m., 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time slot was a Big Ten matchup between Iowa and Penn State. This was all Penn State. They had the uh, their annual whiteout game. Uh, the, the, you know, on, on, as a factor, you had to watch out for Kay Minera, the quarterback for Iowa. You had to watch out for LaShawn Williams, the, the leading rusher in the Big Ten. Uh, you had to watch out for them. Now, this game was played in the rain. It was a defensive game, especially early on. An ugly old school northeast battle college football game in the rain. Iowa did a lot of struggling. They could not take care of the football. They had two fumbles, one for a loss. Uh, there was a play where Cade McNamara, uh, McNamara uh, he had threw a pass to Eric uh, Eric All for a twelve yard gain, and Eric All he fumbled it. Uh, and it was recovered by Curtis Jacobs of the Penn State Nittany Lions. But um, the Penn State ended up getting a touchdown out of it. They go to nothing. Uh, when Drew Allard, the quarterback from Penn State, found a pass to Khalil Dinkins for a nine-yard touchdown. Um, then it also, Penn State got another touchdown in the third quarter. And Iowa had nothing going on in, in, in the game offensively. They were just dead. 
Penn State, the home crowd in all white, uh, the great, the very good defense of the Nittany Lions, and then pretty much tacked on points throughout the rest of the game. So big win for the uh, Penn State. Nothing really much to add from that game that I saw. Um, and then the other game from earlier on in the day, um, I'm going to go back to the Oregon State game, but let me, because that was a very good game as well at the very end. I'll go back to that later. Uh, let me get to this SEC game before I forget. The Ole Miss-Alabama game. And, and and I was very, very disappointed in Ole Miss because I thought the writing was on the wall. What we saw, what Texas did to Alabama, we think Alabama, or I think Alabama is a wounded animal. It's not the same strong. Alabama, just like Clemson, is not the same strong. Clemson, and I'll get to them as well a little bit later. But Ole Miss had an opportunity to really get another big win on the road like they did in Tulane in New Orleans uh, for, uh, to keep their undefeated record going. And, 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 it was, and it was for the taking because it was an ugly first half. Ole Miss had a 7-6 lead at halftime. Um, Alabama's first drive in that second half uh, led to a field goal. They took the lead back 9-7. Ole Miss had a possession, and I think this is where it kind of started to go out off the rails for Ole Miss, where the quarterback, Jackson Dart, uh, he, he has pa- he had his pass intercepted by Terry and Arnold from Alabama, and it, and it was a 37 interception return that it really got the Alabama offense going because, the, you know, in that series, Jalen Milrow, the quarterback, threw a touchdown pass to Jalen Hale for 33 yards to make it 15 to seven. And they caught, they, they got the two point conversion to make it 17 to seven. So many fucking Jalen's man in college football, man. Every, it's like, if you got a son, his name is Jalen and shit, whatever. Either here or there, but it was Ole Miss can never get their office store going. And especially from last year when I thought their office was rolling, they had some weapons and they brought in guys. They could never get the running tech going like they really, really wanted to. They Alabama did a good job scouting and preparing for Krishan Jenkins, the uh, running back for Ole Miss. Um, and then, yeah, I, I was just very, very disappointed on how this played out for Ole Miss. I thought, and I really picked them to win this game. On the, on the money bet, but uh, maybe I'm a little salty about that. But Ole Miss really, really dropped the ball on that, man. Really did. Yeah, and going back to the uh, the other 7.30, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, whatever that time slot is, right? Oregon State, the Beavers versus Washington State, the Cougars. At first, this was the better game at that hour. It was better than Ohio State, Notre Dame in the first half. That game actually picked up in the second half, but... Uh, Oregon State and, and Washington State, and I'm really keeping my eyes out on the Cougars because when they beat Wisconsin, I said, okay, it's time to pay attention to the Pac-12 more officially. Maybe I kind of wrote them off a little bit, thought some of that quarterback play was overrated. So I wanted to see what Cam Ward, the quarterback for Washington State, was going to do. And Washington State, um, on the first three drives were touchdowns, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Cam Cam Ward had a very, very good game, and he's got weapons. Uh, Josh Kelly, the wide receiver uh, for the Cougars, had a monster game uh, catching the ball from Cam Ward. Uh, first of all, he had the uh, 44-yard touchdown on that second drive, and he also had one late in the second quarter to make it 28-14. to 14. The other touchdown 
of, of those three drives was from Kyle Williams, who was a 63-yard touchdown pass as well. They could air it out, man. At Washington State, I thought that was a little floozy or fluky versus Wisconsin, but they have enough offense to throw it in the air and get the job done. And that's kind of what they're kind of built on. Now, they did have a trouble stopping Deshaun Fenwick, the running back from Oregon State. He had two touchdowns in the first half. I think he had like 80 yards at half. Um, it was only a 21-14 lead by the Washington State Cougars. But uh, if you go to the third quarter, uh, Karen Ward again finds Josh Kelly for a 19-yard touchdown to make it 35-14. So at this point in the game, I thought Washington State was in control. I thought they were going to win. But uh, but Washington State uh, allowed Oregon State to get back very late in the game. Um, they gave up, um, almost gave up a, uh, what's it called, almost like a kick. Uh, but they recovered, and now it's pretty much the game. So they, it ended up 38-35. Oregon State's a pretty good team, not a bad team for the, in the 12. They could run rock well. Uh, but it was really more to me about Cam Ward's passing offense. They aired it out, man. They did a very, very good job um, dissecting that uh, Oregon State uh, pass defense. Uh, let me see. Or uh, Cam Ward threw for 404 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Had a rating of well over 200, like 220. So they killed it, man. I mean, the wide receiver attack is sick, right? Kyle Williams had seven catches, 174 yards. Josh Kelly had eight yard, uh, eight receptions, 159 uh, pass receptions, and three touchdowns. And and Hernandez had 39 reception yards as well, man. I mean, these these guys had a lot of weapons to work with. But the jury is still out on the Washington State Cougars, and it's a game I'm, I'm going to talk about next with UCLA and Utah. But UCLA, uh, they got UCLA next. Uh, uh, I don't want to see a trap game with Arizona. Arizona's not that good. But I think Washington State is looking at UCLA and then Oregon in a week after that. So the two of the next three uh, games, big games are on the road at UCLA and at Oregon. So that's that on the Washington State Cougars. Now, the game I did not see live. I had to go back and watch the highlights, an extended version of the game. Uh, the Utah Utes versus the UCLA Bruins. Uh, this was definitely a defensive bout, surprisingly, a little bit. Um, <laughs> it was a crazy thing about this game. The um, opening kickoff was to the uh, Bruins. First play... Uh, the first play of the game, Dante Moore, the quarterback for UCLA. Um, Utah was in a 4-2-5 defense. And the linebacker, Kareem Reed, I mean, you may have seen the picture on the Instagram for the Bleed Blue Show. I showed the snapshot of him jumping the route of where Dante Moore was trying to throw to. And, he, I mean, he, he jumped the route so good, the ball never even left Dante Moore's head hands uh, so he jumped the route caught a, uh in front of the wide receiver and the wide receiver was already double covered by the cornerback in the, in, in the safety he, he makes a pick six it's already six nothing after the first um six nothing for the Utes uh on a pick six by Kareem Reed um and it, pretty much after that uh Utah got another touchdown later on in the second quarter to make it 14 nothing then UCLA got a cheap touchdown late in the game that really you know, just to close the gap for betting purposes. But Utah dominated this game, man. They dominated this game. So they had a nice win in Baylor earlier this year, and they um, had a nice conf- uh, conference win versus the UCLA Bruins. 
And, and like I said, or I'm going to be paying attention to that Washington State versus UCLA game. I think Washington State can take them. I really do. After what I've seen out of both teams, UCLA is a pretty good team. But um, I'm liking the offensive weapons, the air attack from the Washington State Cougars uh, to go up against that UCLA defense. And then also early on in the other game, this would have traditionally been a night game in the ACC. That's how uh, set back a little bit with the ACC has gone. But Florida State versus Clemson. Now, Florida State, I didn't realize they have not beaten Clemson in seven seven games. They, they had like a seven-game losing streak versus the Tigers, right? Um I have I think everybody has huge questions for Clemson. Like I was saying minutes ago about Alabama. Everybody has their time in sports. You know, dynasties don't last forever. Uh Clemson has been riding a nice little wave and they, they used to be one of these teams back in the 90s. I remember they had that real, I don't know, how would you call it a, a championship by I don't know, by proxy back back in the way, late 80s, 90s whatever it was. And but they had those what was it called? Sanctions. They had their title stripped away from them. Clemson was always these teams since the 90s and the 2000s before Dabble Sweeney got there. They were always losing that one big game. And that was their reputation, kind of like what the Bulldogs was with a long for a very long time uh, in the 90s and the 2000s. Very good teams, but they always crumbled in that big game. But Clemson's kind of regressing back to that. Even further, because they lost to Duke, who had actually had a big win on the road uh, this week. Well, I mean, I mean, they were they going to beat up on the Huskies, and neither did they. But they lost to Duke. Uh, everybody expected them to beat Duke, and they kind of expected to beat Florida State. Well, I didn't, but after watching the product on the field, it is apparent that they need guys in the portal to step up. I mean, they need to go get some guys in the portal. That's the wave of what college football is right now. Cats are coming through this portal. And they're making things happen, man. So, Clemson, um, how I looked at this game, uh, they got off to the early lead. And the Netflix, I, I call him the Netflix quarterback because that's how I got introduced to Jordan Travis. Because if you watch Last Chance U from a couple of years ago, how he was a D1 quarterback and he um, ended up going play for that uh, Coach Brown. He's the loud guy, you know, the loud mouth extroverted type of coach uh, from, from from inner Los Angeles. Uh, Jordan Travis actually became the all-time passer in touchdowns for Florida State history. Uh, when you really think about it, that's not too surprising because a lot of those quarterbacks from Florida State, uh, they don't stay long. They don't stay for four years for, per se. And if they did, they kind of played a lot of backup. Uh, uh, Chris Wanky, Charlie Ward, Jameis Winston. So those guys, you know, you could, I could see Jordan Travis – Beating those records since he's been there for a couple of seasons and stuff. But anyway, going back to the game, Clemson uh, outgained Florida State um, well by a hundred yard, well over a hundred yards uh, total yards, like four twenty nine to three eleven, something like that. And then Clemson really ran the ball well on the ground uh, by Phil Maffa and Real Shipley, the two headed attack. Uh, Clemson had a ten nothing lead. They were actually up seventeen to seven. They had three leads of at least ten points in this game. Um, but this is the thing about Florida State, and this is where Clemson could learn from a Florida State, and it's called the transfer portal. It's hard to keep up with these guys now even more because you introduced to them once they get to college, unless you're following these guys on a high school level. 
But this transfer report is really throwing a wrench in the game because guys that you thought were on one team are totally on different schools now. It's hard to keep up to where they are. And the case in point is Keon Coleman, who is the wide receiver from Michigan State, is now Jordan Travis's new toy in Florida State. And when you heard me talk about this in episode one. Um, they get back into the game with using these two. Uh, so it was just a matter of time. Uh, Keon Coleman's a tall receiver. He makes good jump ball catches. And if you're a smaller corner or not as athletic, they're going to have the, they're going to look to that one on one matchup all day long. And then there's the same case with Johnny Wilson, opposite of him uh, on, on uh, Florida State. Clemson had a 24 to 17 lead in the third quarter. There was a first and ten, and Phil Moffa had a big 46 uh, yard run. But <laughs> on the very next play, where Florida State set the blitz, uh, they sent Kalen Deloach on a blitz, and they popped the crap out of Cape Klubinick, the quarterback for uh, Clemson. It caused it was a sack, it was a fumble recovery, and a return for 56 yards to tie up the game. Um, it stayed tied until the overtime, and Florida State got the ball first in the overtime. And Jordan Travis, of course, 24-yard touchdown pass to Keon Coleman. Clemson can't gets the ball back in the Kansas City overtime, cannot score, and then Florida State wins the game, and they're still under, you know, top five team ranked. Big win on the road, snaps that seven-game losing streak against the Seminoles. And then it's like, is the Tiger running over? And unless they are in that portal, that 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 transfer portal, going to get guys, go get those guys that that bring them back to what Clemson, that Clemson prominence under the the uh, Travis Lawrence years, the Deshaun Watson years. Ah, and Florida State getting their ACC crown back with North Carolina and Duke right there reigning, man. So the ACC, which is a basketball conference, I, you know, when I look at it, but now you got North Carolina in the mix, Duke football is in the mix. <laughs> you know, uh, now you got, you know, Florida State, that's always been their thing. So it's pretty pretty much between those three teams, and if you, I can't think of anybody. I can't think of, it's not Wake Forest, it's not Pittsburgh, maybe Syracuse. Syracuse is having a good year. I don't have any much to say about Syracuse. I'll probably have to bring that up on a future episode. But yeah, man, um, big win by Florida State on the road. And I will say the last game of the day. Um, I you I, know I didn't want to start with it, and everybody's on the bandwagon of what. The press has been saying, rightfully so, he's the GOAT Deion Sanders has earned every praise and recognition and spotlight he creates. And he has created that spotlight from Colorado, and of course, with Amazon Prime. And we talk about Jackson State and the transfer and bigger opportunities with a Pac-12 team that's been down in the dump since the 90s in the Colorado Buffaloes. But um, and I looked at this game and I, I already knew. Oregon was going to win. Um, Colorado beat TCU by outscoring them. They beat Colorado State by outscoring them. When they played Nebraska, it was close in the first half, but they out they pretty much um, ran away with that game at home in their home opener in the second half. Uh, Colorado, with or without Travis Hunter t- uh, in that game versus Oregon, it wouldn't have mattered. Oregon is the fit more physical team. They're the bigger team on the field, and they just cannot hang with Colorado. And here's the biggest issue with Colorado, and it's been apparent in all the games. Colorado 
run defense especially, with the defensive line, they're very small. They can't stop the run against anybody, y'all. They can't. They really can't. Um, On the ground on Sunday alone, I mean not Sunday, on Saturday alone, Oregon had 240 yards on the ground. Go back to the week before that when they were at home versus Colorado State. Colorado State, not necessarily known as a huge rushing attack. They gave up 101 yards on the ground. The two games before that, uh, the Nebraska, they gave up 222 yards on the ground in a loss. Nebraska in a loss still ran for 222 yards. And, of course, the first game, TCU, ran. they ran for 262. Colorado can't stop the run, y'all. And and if a team has a, a viable running attack like Oregon does and some of these other teams in the Pac-12, not all of them because they're probably more pass-happy than anything because they got the quarterbacks to do it. Colorado, you know, nice little story. Nice, uh, you know, put a spotlight what Dion is doing nationally and a lot of people are talking about it, posting about it, tweeting about it, Instagramming about it. The problem is they can't stop the run. It, I mean, it, I mean, you could watch that in the first two games. And say, oh man, teams are going to have their way, and Dion knows that. And Dion looked frustrated because I don't think Dion's ever lost a game on a national spotlight like this in his career. I can't think of any. You know, maybe with the Falcons, maybe there's been something there. Maybe when he was a New York Yankee, maybe you know, but. It's not too often that Dion, who's a, a competitor, and he goes not to just to win but to dominate. He looked it befuddled on that line. Matter of fact, when he was coming off the uh, sideline at halftime, you know, didn't you know, he's usually open to interviews and speaking to the press because that's how you know he gets you know draws attention to himself, and not in a bad way, but that's just that's just part of his personality, but. Dude, listen, he did not want to talk to nobody. He was, I mean, Oregon was trying to put 70 on him. They were up 35, nothing at a half, man. Uh, Shador, uh, Shador Sanders, his son, the quarterback, uh, definitely brought back to earth. Uh, any talks about Heisman really took a big blow in this game. He only threw for 159 yards passing. But it really, or it was really about the rushing attack about Oregon. Bo Nix, the transfer from Auburn from a couple of seasons ago, now in his second second year with Oregon, uh, as the quarterback for uh, you know for the Ducks, uh, he had a very good game. Not 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 an overwhelming, but you know there was that that very good connection between Bo Nix and Tony Franklin, and they had a very good passing attack, and they. They had Colorado had nothing for these guys, nothing, man. And now, matter of fact, Oregon didn't even respect Colorado to the point they were even faking punts, converting punts into first downs on the uh of, of the other t- on their own half of the field. They they did they did not fear them at all, man. So that's just a humbling reset uh reset of a game for uh Colorado. They got another one coming up against USC, and they are definitely not beating them. A uh, USC could score some points, man. They got a lot of, you know, Kayla Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner. I know I didn't see the entire uh, USC Arizona State game. I saw the first drive of it, and then I went to sleep. But they're too much offense for for USC. They could put up points, man. Matter of fact, let me check it real quick. Yeah, so I see that USC beat Arizona forty-two to twenty-eight. Um, I see that USC got some points against them, but I'm still going to watch because Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams versus Colorado Shador Sanders that should be a nice, uh, entertaining collegiate 
or a lot of scoring uh, type of affair. So uh, that is pretty much it on the college football ranks. I know Texas won their game. Georgia won their game. LSU was down versus Arkansas, and they came back and won their game. Um, I can't think of anybody else. Florida, I didn't even talk about Florida, but Florida last week, what a very good win versus Tennessee. Very good home win versus Tennessee. That was a dominant home win on top of that, and I think they beat up on Charlotte uh, this past Saturday. Uh, But this was an excellent batch of college football games. Uh, this past Saturday, for sure, man, on the catch up on the college football front. And from here, we're going to go on to the NFL. And what a great day of week three games uh, for the National Football League. And I, I, I guess I'll start with the Buffalo game because that was the, that was the easier game to get out of the way. Uh, I My eyes were locked in uh, for this game first uh, with the Bills and the Commanders. But it was all pretty much all Bills in this game. Uh, the Bills had that first drive uh, on, you know, with the possession. Uh, and then the defense of the Commanders did well to get them off the field. Now, when I was looking at this game, there was a lot of Bills fans in the crowd. I mean, this kind of happens in Washington a lot. You know, you thought with this new ownership, it was a lot of that was going to go away and bring a lot of back of the old fans. But uh, it was a lot of Bills fans in the in the, um, in the stands. The Bills uh, went down the field. Uh, quite easily, but they ended up kicking a field goal. The commander's defense held them uh, with a nice goal line stance uh, to force them to kick a, a, a field goal for 3 nothing. Uh Washington's first possession, uh, a lot of pressure uh, early on, especially from Ed Oliver from the Buffalo Bills. He was all over the place in the first half especially. He had a sack, um, and then also um, there was an interception uh, Sam Howell threw uh, to Terrell Bernard for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Josh Allen, when he got the ball back, he hit Gabe Davis with a 45-yard touchdown to make it 10-0. Uh, the commanders were really never in this game, honestly. I mean, the defense kind of held as much as they could on the goal line. But at the end of it, Buffalo, it was just too much Buffalo, too much wear on the, the, uh, the personnel of them. Uh, Buffalo's goal line defense uh, definitely uh, did a good job with the drive again on at the goal line, and Ed Oliver <laughs> he caused a a yard loss on um, on on Sam Howell uh, down ten nothing, and Washington went for it, and <laughs> I don't know why they didn't go for the field goal, but they ended up going for it, and this was a, this was a theme for today, and I'll get to that in some of these other games. They went for it, and they did not get it, and um, Instead of making it ten to three or something, give some sort of bloodline into the uh, scoring, it, it ended up still being ten nothing uh, Buffalo's favor. So, you know, I I really don't understand why some of these teams I, with this analytics shit trying to psych themselves out. So Washington don't get the points at that point in the game, down thirteen to nothing. In the two minute offense, uh, Sam Howell threw a pass and it was intercepted by Micah Hyde, who's on the left side of the uh, field. With 115 remaining in the first half, uh, Buffalo's defense was on it today, man. They were that was some old school football defense that we saw today in Washington, man, or in Maryland. Uh, at the Washington 42, he, that they got the uh, the turnover. Uh, the drive ended up with a field goal, so Buffalo makes a three nothing lead or a ten nothing lead, and now a sixteen nothing lead at half. Feel like more like 24, 27 nothing. That's how the the momentum, or that's how. 
the the flow of the game felt. It felt like Washington was down more points than they were at that point, sixteen to nothing. Um, <laughs> even at the start of the second half, uh, uh, Tre'Davious White picks off Sam Howell again uh, as Sam Howell was hit, and uh, the initial drive started at at. At the half, started in the end zone, and Josh Allen had a quarterback keeper to make it twenty three nothing. That was pretty much all she wrote. Uh, Washington, uh, an ugly loss, and I know a lot of their fans uh, are going to be irate on maybe some sort of change in quarterback, or or maybe the firing of Ron Rivera. But this was an ugly game, man. This was a very ugly game, and it was a very nice road win with the Buffalo Bill fans in Maryland in attendance. And then uh, Buffalo ended up pulling away even further, winning the game 37-3. to This game wasn't even a contest, so I mean, I'm not going to really spend too much time on this. Uh, it was wire-to-wire win for the Buffalo Bills. Um, I think some plays or some calls that Ron, Riverboat Ron went for, and it backfired, and it really spun out of the control. I know th- the idea of trying to keep up with points, but sometimes you got to take what's given and live to fight another day. That's kind of how I see it. I know some people may disagree with that, but there's got to be some point where you, you got to at least give your, some, your team some sort of momentum. You don't have a team or a roster like that to just be going on fourth down thinking you could just maximize uh, your opportunities when you don't really have them. I did not see a lot of um, the Jet-Patriot game. Um, I did see the touchdown pass uh, that Matt Brown, uh, Matt, not Matt Brown, Matt Jones threw uh, the Farrell Brown, but it felt like the Jets, they couldn't do anything in the rain today, and we all kind of knew that was going to happen once Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Uh, the Jets lose 15 to 10 to the Patriots at home. And, you know, they're going to be the probably the last team in the division, you know, unless somebody else gets hurt like Tua or Matt Jones for the Patriots. But the day uh, Aaron Rodgers got hurt open the night versus the Bills, that was pretty much all she wrote for the Jets season. Uh, I mean, they might be able to compete, but they don't have the quarterback to um, to really go on a limb. Like, you know, Zach Wilson is not even backup material. I mean, it pretty much gave you nothing uh, to really work with, and pretty much the team is not really confident in him. So I, I don't want to spend too much time at all on this game because that's not the game I didn't really focus on. I focused on others. I'm going to get into that one, like Tennessee and Cleveland, the Titans and, and the Browns. And, you know, I saw Deshaun Watson's um, uh, uh, talk with uh, DeAndre Hopkins on the field. Uh, they were former teammates in tech with the Texans, and now they had a nice combination going when um, – when they were down in Houston, uh, Cleveland won this game easily. I, and I got questions when I get to the end, my points of what I saw in this game, but, uh, Deshaun Watson, um, had a 19 yard pass to Jerome Ford or the running back out of the backfield up the left side line to take a 10 to three lead in the second quarter. I remember seeing uh, Deshaun Watson hit Amari Cooper. And this was really crazy. This was like right before halftime. He hit Amari Cooper up the left sideline with a big catch, now, I know Amari Cooper should have been called for an offensive pass interference, but the refs never called a whistle on the field. So Amari Cooper, um, he could have, he should have been able to got six points out of that because uh, Cooper stopped running, then he started running. He thought it was a whistle was blown, but then he ran after the catch and he ran into the end zone. And then the refs blew the play dead at the spot of the football where he caught the ball, where the, I think the refs may have thought he went out and they it was really a weird sequence, but it really didn't matter at the end of the at the end of the day because Tennessee didn't do nothing offensively. Uh, the Browns kind of pulled away as the game went along. I mean, unless I missed something, right? Derrick Henry 
it was like really, really non-existent, and especially when I saw uh, in the first half, he had like four rushes, negative seven yards. This is Derrick fucking Henry, man. Like, I can't believe you're adding him. And of course, DeAndre Hopkins is the older receiver, still a very capable possession receiver in this league. And the lack of offense that this, for whatever, whatever reason, like they've had their struggles. Like they are an offensively challenged football team in the Tennessee Titans. And I know the clock is going to be running out on Ryan Tannehill, uh, Tannehill's very, very soon. Very, very soon. Um, I, it doesn't make sense because Derrick Henry is a bull back there. And I know they had this, those changes at offensive line over the years. But God damn, I'm really, really shocked how this has transpired offensively for the Tennessee Titans, man. Cleveland controlled the clock, I mean, controlled the rock uh, for almost 40 minutes in this game, even without Nick Chubb, right? You know, and and, and they it's not like they had outstanding offensive run numbers today, especially in the first half. Uh, but, you know, they ran, you know, with whatever, with Kareem Ford, I mean, Kareem Hunt or Jer- uh, Jerome Ford or Pierre Strong. I mean, they did it by committee. Try to get the ground game going in the absence of a Nick Chubb who's going to be out for the rest of the year with that gruesome injury in the front in the game versus the Steelers. But I mean, this is why you got Deshaun Watson because a quarterback like of his ilk can will you to a lot of ugly wins like this. And he he's a gamer. He's always been a gamer, and and this is the reason why. Um, the Cleveland Browns needed to go get a quarterback. You need a quarterback in this league. He almost threw for 300 yards today, threw two touchdown passes, one to Amari Cooper, especially uh, in, the, uh, in the second half of the 43-yard touchdown pass in the fourth quarter to Amari Cooper to make up for the other play earlier in the game. Um, I mean, he, he just knows how to will around and throw and get guys. He's a winning football player. Uh, bad outing on how it concluded on Monday Night Football versus the Steelers. But uh, Deshaun Watson, what an excellent propel game. Now, Derrick Henry, now that I see the stats in front of me, I had to go pull it up because I know last time I saw it, it was four rushes for negative seven yards. He finished the game with 11 rushes and 20 yards. That is crazy to me, man. That is crazy. Uh, I, I got a lot of questions for Tennessee. Um, what the hell is going on with the quarterback situation? Um, I know they had drafted Malik Willis, and I don't even think he's ready because he would have been on the field by now. That, I mean, that's just the way today's football is right now. What is going on with the offensive line? What's going on with Derrick Henry? What's going on with Ryan Tannehill? I think Mike Vrabel has to really, and the general manager, have to really look into it, especially ever since letting uh, A.J. Brown go to the Eagles last year. It has not, everything's been south since that point. South since that point, man. So, um, those are my thoughts on that game. Uh, Cleveland winning an ugly old school football game, twenty-seven to three. Uh, and hey, man, I I got questions for the Tennessee Titans. I really do. But <laughs> oh my god! Now there's a couple of games uh, we could go. Uh, many we could go with this. Miami put a seventy spot on. <laughs> They put a 70 spot on the Denver Broncos. I watched the majority of this game. I watched it to the point they took two out of the game. I watched pretty much every play of this game. Uh, Denver. Now, actually, let's, let's take it back a little bit. Now, the whole thing with Sean Payton and Nathaniel Hackett, that is really going to rear its ugly head. Uh, after, you know, Sunday night's games and, and, and the Monday, into the Monday night games, uh, this week, as far as what he said about Nathaniel Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett never gave up 70 points. As a matter of fact, this is almost kind of karma because of all those years Sean Payton 
was coaching in the Superdome with Drew Brees, and they were putting up so many points and running up the score on teams. He got a taste of his own medicine. <laughs> he got a, he got a taste of his own medicine today. I mean, to start off the game, Tyreek Hill had a big pass play to set up a seven nothing touchdown. Uh, the guy guy tried to cut him off on the angle. He just goes he goes right under him. And there's a running back, Devon DeShaney. He had a big game too, as well as Roheem Mostart. Uh, really shifty running back, powerful but shifty at the same time. Uh, he had a touchdown run to make it fourteen to nothing. Uh, Denver uh, ended up, you know, after Denver being down. 14 to nothing. They came back and tied up the score. They actually got a, probably the only best drive of the day was the drive. They, they make it 14 to seven when Russell Wilson hit Corlin Sutton in, in the end zone for a 14 seven score. But, um, Miami came right back. <laughs> they came right back, man, right down the field. 11 play drive, 75 yards that set up a two, a screen pass to Devin DeShaney again for a second touchdown of the game to go up 21 to seven. Uh, it was, the the Broncos they had nothing for the Dolphins dog nothing, and 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 before the half, uh, Tua hits uh Rohima start Mostert for the uh, touchdown to make it twenty eight to ten. So you know that should have been kind of been it been down eighteen maybe a three quarter game maybe try to figure out some things halftime adjustments. But his it gets a little crazier at this point. We see what happened is in the next Broncos possession <laughs> after the kickoff uh Russell Wilson hits Cortland Sutton with a pass and he got hit by Javon Holland and and, and then the Dolphins recovered it by Andrew Van with Andrew Van Gilke and uh Ginkle and he returned that fumble 29 yards which set up another Dolphins touchdown for 5 yards to go up 35 to 10 yo Yo, it fucking this shit was fucking crazy. So they were on pace at halftime to score seventy, and they got that. They got thirty five at the half. Ended up with 70, 70 with the game. Even in the second half, the uh, the play call it was a beautiful play call. Shaney had a reverse run, uh, with excellent vision, good block in for a thirty nine yard run, and then it, it was just on at that point. Miami had a total of seven hundred and thirty five. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know if I've seen this before in an NFL game. I don't I don't remember the last time I saw a team get 735 total yards in the game, yo. Two or two for 309. Uh, Devin Deshaney ran for 203 yards. Roheem and Stark ran for 82 yards, had three touchdowns. I mean, they had a fantasy football field day. Uh, and why, I, I don't even see, I don't even remember seeing a, a lot of Waddle. Waddle even, did he even play? I don't even remember uh, Waddle even playing today, man. So, big, huge win by the uh, Miami Dolphins in Denver. Woo! Man, after the opening week loss to the Raiders, and I know you had the uh, the uh, the loss to the Redskins, at, or the, I'm sorry, not the, not the Redskins, the Commanders. You had a loss, uh, you had a Hail Mary, and then you missed the two-point conversion last week. And then this? Woo! I mean, we talk about our squad on, our, on this show. I mean, it, I, I, this is worse. This is absolutely worse. Now, arguably, um, this has been there was some good games early on in at that one o'clock game. Didn't see much of the Detroit game. I'm gonna gloss over it. Atlanta went in there two and two and zero. My uh, Detroit one and one, and um, Detroit wins the game. It, I, the Falcons were never a threat in this game, um, and I'll just leave it at that. Now, the other game I also didn't see a lot of because. New Orleans was up a lot in this game. They were up um 
when I remember, they were up 17-0 and gave up 18 unanswered in the fourth quarter. Uh, Jordan Love had a, a touchdown run, and then he had a touchdown pass to, uh, to, to Dobbs. And they ended up uh, coming back uh, after, you know, and then ended up, uh, uh, what's his name, the, the field goal kicker, gripe for the um, Saints. Uh, he missed the wide, he missed the field goal wide right to take the lead. He missed the, the field goal. Uh, Jordan, uh, Derek Carr got hurt in this game. Uh, he had a shoulder injury, didn't, uh, didn't return. Um, that's a nice comeback win at home by the Packers, man. And bad loss for the Saints because they were literally up 17 in the entire game. And then, uh, they gave up, um, a couple of touchdowns, uh, to, you know, associated by Jordan Love. Uh, and that was, whew, that's a bad, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, we could have a voting poll of which team had a worse, well, I, I guess we could say the Broncos. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than that. Or even the other games when I get to the Raven game and the Colts or the Char, oh, or the Vikings too. That was, whew, I, matter of fact, let's go there. Let's go there. That game, um, Chargers Vikings. This was a nice back and forth game as expected. Justin Herbert, Kirk Cousins. Man, I mean, you saw early on in the game, Gilman stripped TJ Hawkinson with a fumble in the first quarter, and, and that led to a Justin Herbert touchdown to Donald Parham. Um, uh, Kirk Cousins had a touchdown pass that, uh, on the next drive to uh, Josh Oliver. I, I think they went to review, but I mean, from what I saw it, when it happened in real time, it was a touchdown, but the, the they upheld the touchdown to make it 7-7. Seven seven. The Chargers, and on the next possession, uh, Josh, uh, Justin Herbert uh, hit Josh uh, Josh Palmer with a five-yard game, and and Jordan Hicks had, had a fumble, uh, or a tackle and a fumble of recovery as well. Uh, even later in that second quarter, JT Woods for the Chargers recovered a fumble that was clear-cut right in the open, and the, the refs blew it. I mean, there were some bad calls in this game as well. Uh, so calling plays a little bit too early, dead balls, forward progress, uh, second guessing themselves, too many quick whistles uh, in the game uh, with the Chargers and the uh, Vikings. So um, in the second quarter, um, the, uh, the Chargers took the lead, fourteen to ten, right before the halftime. Uh, Herbert hit Donald Parham again, and then after the half, uh, into the third quarter, uh, the Chargers uh, at the midfield. Oh, this was a beautiful play. Did you see the play where Herbert hits? Um, Keenan Allen, who had a monster game today, and I'll get to those those stats in a second. He hits uh, Keenan Allen with a you know in the backfield, and Keenan Allen threw a, a beautiful touchdown pass wide open to Mike Williams. I mean, it fooled everybody in the stadium, it fooled everybody at home watching, it fooled everybody. Everybody who knew what was going to happen was just the Chargers' offensive personnel. Um, Mike Williams got hurt later in the game; he never returned to that game. Uh, later on in the next series. Uh, Chargers were up 21 to 10. The Vikings were kind of dead at this point, but, uh, Kirk Cousins actually hit, uh, KJ Osborne with a beautiful pass uh, for a touchdown. And then, and even in the next possession where the Vikings took the lead, um, Justin Jefferson is, is a very, very good wide receiver. He had an in-cut route where he beat the linebacker, beat the safety, beat the cornerback for a 52-yard touchdown. But it was more yards after the catch than anything to go up 24 to 21. This was a very good back-and-forth game that is kind of, you know, everybody kind of saw between Herbert and Kirk, uh, Kirk uh, Cousins. Uh, Justin Herbert threw another 36-yard touchdown uh, pass to Josh, uh, Josh Palmer. Um, now, he kind of... Uh, it was deflected, but he bobbled it, but he secured the ball and, and fell into the end zone to take the 28-24 to lead. Later in the uh, fourth quarter, 
Uh, there was a fourth and one where the Chargers, late in the game, under two minutes, and Brandon Staley doesn't really make the best coaching decisions in the world, and this came up again, and he's probably going to get cru- crucified by Chargers fans and general novice football fans for what he did. Fourth and one on your own 24, and he went for it. And, and, and the next thing you know... They did not get the first down. Uh, fucking high, man. Crazy on drugs. Turnover on downs. The the, the Vikings had a short field and could have won the game with a go-ahead touchdown. Uh, Kirk Cousins had a fourth and f- five. They had to go for it at this point because the field goal does you no justice. Fourth and five under two. Like I think it was like minute and ten at that point. And they converted on that pass. Now... This is where it gets really iffy for Kirk Cousins, and this is where it's frustrating for Kirk Cousins fans, Vikings fans. They saw, um, oh, well, not they, but Kirk Cousins took his sweet time to get to the line, didn't spike the ball. He kind of wasted a lot of time, and they looked at like they were out of place. At this point, Justin Jefferson was not in the game, and the very next play, uh, Kirk Cousins, I think he was going to TJ Hawkinson in the end zone, and the pass was deflected, or the pass was deflected in the end zone. And Keith, uh, Kenneth Murray Jr., remember from um, uh, Oklahoma, the linebacker, he intercepts the pass and then in the end zone for a touchback, and the Chargers survive winning that game 28 to 24. But god damn, what the fuck was Brandon Staley doing or thinking? And then also Kirk Cousins. A uh, lack of uh, taking a sweet time. I thought they could have done something better. Would have not rushed to play. Then he took a sweet time at the line to. I don't know. They looked at really. They looked at way out of place the way they ran that offense. Like they didn't know where they belonged there or something. But uh, statistically, uh, Herbert went over four hundred yards today. He was forty out of forty-seven. Jesus Christ, four hundred and five yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Keenan Allen had 18 catches for 215 yards. He had a monster day. Justin Jefferson, 149 yards. Kirk Cousins, you know, his typical stat padding day, 367 yards, three touchdowns and a loss. That's Kirk, that's Kirk Cousins for you for pretty much in, in a nutshell. So, uh, wow. 0-3 for the Minnesota Vikings. And Brandon Staley, pretty, he's pretty much going to get some heat after that. Because if you go back and watch the game, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, a game that was really, you know, somewhat surprising. The Houston Texans over the, uh, the Jaguars. C.J. Stroud had a very big game today as well. Um, this game where C.J. Stroud, um, I saw the play. He hit Tank um, Tank Dell for a big pass for 46 yards. It got, you know, tackled at the one where Damian Pierce ran it in early. I was really back and forth a little bit later on in this game. Uh, the Texans had an eight-play drive uh, with uh, C.J. Stroud hitting the tight end, Brevin Jordan, for a touchdown to make it 14-0, and that was the score at half. Uh, in the second half, the Jaguars were, you know, put it like this, the Jaguars were dead in the first half. They couldn't do nothing in, you know, offensively. Uh, they did get a touchdown to make it 17-7 after Tank, Tank Bisbee score uh, with the Jaguars. Uh, the Jaguars made it 17 to 10, but this is what's really weird. And I had to go back and rewind it. Cause I kind of missed it. And I had to rewind what, what I missed where Jacksonville fumbled it on the kickoff and the Texans recovered it for a touchdown. And then the very next possession, Trevor Lawrence threw a pick to Blake Cashman and they can never recover from that point. Uh, Houston with a big road win, uh, uh, for, uh, for the Texans, 
Uh, the Jaguars, uh, surprising loss, back-to-back losses, right? They had a bad loss last week versus the Chiefs, and then another looked like what could have been a, a, a bounce-back win versus the Texans, a division opponent, and they did get the job done. And I think Travis Antiani went out the he went out of the game. I don't know exactly what happened with him in this game, but he got hurt uh, and was ended up out of the game uh, for the uh, Jaguars. But um, I think what was one of the low-key – uh, games of the day uh, was that Colt Raven game, and especially in the second half, it was really more about the defense and special teams in this game. Uh, and Anthony Richardson was out with a concussion. Um, Garner Minshew hit, hit Zach Moss with a with a touchdown pass. The running back with with a touchdown pass. Um, I mean, this game was kind of back and forth with field goals in the third quarter, but in the fourth quarter. Um, where close in the, and after you know after the goal you know the field goal back and forth, Gardner Minshew uh, there was a play um, deep in the end zone uh, deep in the, at the at the Colts one, and the Ravens had got a sack and in the very next play Gardner Minshew going back to pass his back of his foot hit the back of the line and it ended up as a safety for the Colts, so the Raven was able to. Um, get a safety out of the play and to make it nine. It was 19 to 16, the Ravens and the Ravens were on in position pretty much though. All they had to do is get a couple of first downs and run out the clock and win the game. But however, the Colts was able to hold the Ravens on four downs and the Ravens had, um, a penalty that was like a block in the back and the Colts got the football back with 148 remaining and no timeouts. And as far as special teams performances today, uh, Matt Gay had the best day that I've seen, on Sunday in week three, the field goal kicker had four 50 plus yard field goals on the road. His uh, third field goal at the time tied it at 19 to go into the overtime. Well, actually, it, it, it tied it to go, it, it tied it as it was about to go into overtime. I thought, um, with the Ravens got the football back because Justin Tucker is one of the best kickers in football history or NFL history. He had a foot, he had a field goal attempt. It looked like I thought it was going to go in, but it, it fell short. And and I thought when the Colts took over the ball at midfield, I thought they were going to throw a Hail Mary, and they did not. We saw what happened last week with the Washington-Denver game where Hail Marys could you know, give you some sort of chance. But uh, they, they kind of threw the ball away, and it went into the overtime. But fast later, later into the overtime, 325 remaining in the OT, a fourth and three, and the Ravens go for it. And I think, and I and I get where John Harbaugh had a problem uh, with this this call on the field and Raven players as well. And I think the refs are going to get a little bit of heat. Where there was a hook on Jay Flower, uh, Zay Flowers, who was cutting across. He had he did an in cut route, like a drag route across the middle of the field, and the and the defender for the uh, Colts hooked him. He hooked them and should have been some sort of hole at least, and they called nothing. It ended up as an incomplete pass, uh, and then Colts ended up taking the football over. Uh, and then Matt Gay hits another 50-yard field goal to win the game 22-19. to These were some hell of a games uh, on Sunday on, on the pros, man. So, man, it was, a big, it was a big football weekend, man. Big football weekend, college and pros, uh, you know, Cardinal game with the Cowboys, Chiefs and Bears, Steelers and Raiders, and, the, and then of course, uh, you get to hear after this episode with the uh, Eagles and Buccaneers and the Rams and the Bengals, man. But it, it was some good college and and pro games you heard this weekend, man. No doubt about that, man. 
So I just wanted to give my two cents on All Football with Azul, episode number two, College and Pros. Hope you like it, man, and definitely uh, your thoughts, your feedbacks on what I saw in the games, man. It's a lot of games. I mean, you could really spend a whole full episode on a lot of these games alone. I'm just doing the summary-wise what I saw, man. You could do a whole episode on all these games and college and the pros, man. But uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll lay in my plane there and talking uh, football, man. Uh, Sangre Azul.